0: Yes, sir. You're listening to The Real Deal Podcast. Today's special guest is Wilson Jackson, a.k.a. Brother. I cannot count on one hand the number of times that I've heard, you got a cousin named Brother? Um, But yeah, that's just a a childhood name that our family pretty much calls him. Um, You know, this is my first childhood friend, closest thing I have to a brother I can remember countless trips to Mississippi on the holidays, man, having a good time when we were kids playing outside all day um, to now, man, you know, going up there, uh, you know, just going out, having a good time, eating good food. Um, it's just nothing like family, man. So I called him up, man, and we had a great conversation where we pretty much started his journey from when he graduated college um, at the University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, we touched on his journey at LSU for grad school. Then we talked about his first job at a grad school where he had to move to Atlanta for a little bit over a year. Uh, and then we kind of get to the present day where he had to move back to Mississippi and what he's been doing since. So um, he's taking a few different jobs, and right now he's um, working an awesome gig as a uh breaking news um reporter for sports illustrated um so we're gonna get into his journey man we're gonna uh take a real look at some highs some lows what makes him tick uh what keeps him going and and just what, what he's got planned you know moving forward so sit back and relax man i think y'all are gonna enjoy this one and i'm done talking about it so you already know what's going on man it's the real deal podcast season two let's ride so putting you on the hot seat who has the better band, Jackson State or Southern? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know, man, like, mmm, I could get in a lot of trouble for this boy. Uh, but like this, having played in a man in high school, and you know, I went to a high school that 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 mimicked uh, Jackson State, right? Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, I went to Jim Hill High School. It's like literally right around the corner from so the Jim
0: Hill, man.
1: Yeah, man, like right around the corner from Jackson State. Uh in terms of Band-wise, in terms of volume, I'm gonna say Southern. In terms of just a pure show, like the details of a show or anything like that, I would go with Jackson State. When it comes to drum lines, I would definitely go with Jackson State. Okay. That may be a little bit biased, but I think, you know, based off how I grew up playing in, in, in the percussion section, you know, in high school and, and things like that, I would definitely choose Jackson State's drum line. But in terms of like them horns, oh my gosh.
0: Southern different. Like, Southern different than horns. yes sir welcome to another episode of the real deal podcast season two i am super excited today to have my cousin uh wilton jackson on the pod man just to give y'all a little background about my cousin um you know wilton uh i call him brother um but you know you all would know him as wilton uh he hails from jackson mississippi uh, west jackson to be exact and uh, he's a graduate from the university of southern mississippi uh, he graduated with the Bachelor of Arts in Mass Communication and Journalism after he proceeded to LSU for his master's in Mass Communication and Multimedia Journalism. Uh, after getting his master's degree, he's worked tirelessly to build his resume with stints at Cox Media Group, HBCU Game Day, SB Nation, uh, serving as an adjunct professor for both the University of Memphis and for Jackson State. Um, he did some time at the Clarion-Ledger and uh, most recently, he's a breaking news writer at Sports Illustrated. So as you can see, my man has a very decorated career. And, um, you know, I just want you guys to uh, extend a lot of love and welcome my cousin, man. We're like a brother uh, to the pod. So what's going on, my guy?
1: Man, what's going on, bro, man? I am so glad to be here. Like, I feel like we should have probably been did this episode. But, you know, we're getting it where, you know, we're at 15 now. So I'm glad to be on, man.
0: Man, I am delighted to have you. Definitely was supposed to have you on season one, but you know, things happen. Um, right. so you know, we're not gonna uh progress never digress, man. So right, um, let's just get right into it, man. So you had one of the most successful collegiate campaigns I've seen from anyone ever. Uh-huh. Hands down. Uh what I want to know is what was your life like when you first uh when you first graduated college?
1: Ooh. Oh boy. When I first graduated college, from undergrad or graduate school? From undergrad. Okay. So when I first graduated from undergrad, man, that was a time frame of just like, you really didn't know what to think or what to expect. Um, I knew that, you know, I worked really, really hard at Southern Miss. I knew that I, I knew, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but I, I didn't have it figured out yet. And so I told myself that, you know, okay, obviously I had already been talking to people who had graduated and they had told me that, okay, well, Wilton, you know, be prepared to kind of make some different decisions when you graduate, you're not going to necessarily go straight into the job that you want to your dream job. But you know, if you can continuously put in the work to get to where you want to go, you will start making those steps and strides to get there. Well, um, it just so happens that during my senior year, I applied for this program called the Sports uh, Sports Journalism Institute. And, you know, sidebar with that, I had to apply three times before I got accepted. So I applied wow. my I applied my sophomore year, got rejected, replied, I mean, applied my junior year, got rejected. And then it just so happens I applied my senior year and I said, you know, if I don't get it, then, you know, it's fine. It is fine. what it is. Hey, correct. Correct. And I've, I've always been wanting to be resilient and always wanting to, you know, continuing to persevere. And that's that has helped me a lot along the way. And so I got it. So uh, one thing about SJI, they place you, uh, it's like 11 or 12 students, that get selected each year and they place you at an internship. So I had been praying to God, like for the last three years, I just said, like any other kid, hey, I want to get a chance to intern at ESPN. And lo and behold, like I got selected for the ESPN internship. So I spent, you know, three months on a summer internship in Bristol, Connecticut, which is where, you know, the main headquarters is for ESPN. So Absolutely. That How was that? Ex- that experience, experience was eye-opening because the way that you envision ESPN in terms of what you think when you see, you know, the highlights on TV, the reporters or anything like that, it's that, but it's a lot more beyond that. Like you get a chance to see the people who make that magic happen that you see on TV. Um, You get to, you know, work with the editors who are reading those reporters stories that uh, that you're gonna see on ESPN.com. Or, you know, all the things that, all the content that you see, whether it's the website on TV or anything like that, like there's always a behind the scenes uh, segment to that. Like whether it's editors reading the the stories on ESPN.com or just in general of, you know, producers putting together the shows that you see on TV, even SportsCenter, for example, but any show that they have, you you can kind of get a chance to see the behind the scenes view of what that looks like. So uh, while I was there, I was at ESPN, I interned in two departments. Well, one main department, the digital media department, but I worked under the copy editing side and then also this team called the personalization team. So, um, with the copy editing, obviously, you know, reading other reporters' stories, um, working with you know some outstanding copy editors, man. I, I, when I say like they are top notch, top tier, you know, they don't miss anything. If they do, it's 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 rare. What's um, expected? Yeah, no, they don't miss anything, and they question and, and they question everything. And so, as a young twenty-two-year-old, knowing that I never wanted to be a copy editor, uh, believe it or not, it helped. Me, that experience helped me out a lot because it not, it not only taught me um, a job that I never wanted to do, but it made me appreciate the work that they do, and also it made me, you know, appreciate and learn that you know sometimes there may not always be a lot of editors, and so you need to be able to edit your your work to a certain degree because you don't want to just put anything out there for the public to see. So, Absolutely could really appreciate that experience. And then with the personalization team, it's pretty much, you know, finding, it was uh, finding information and stories and content for teams that, you know, ESPN didn't really cover that much at that time uh, for the four major sports. Uh, So I did that. And, um, you know, it was was a great experience. It was an eye-opening experience. Um, I didn't necessarily like the city of Bristol. Uh, Most people don't, you know, because (laughs) there's not a lot in Bristol, Connecticut. But I mean, as far as like, the experience itself, it was great, man. It was it was definitely great.
0: Okay. So uh, once you, you know, did your thing at ESPN, did you think you were going to have a job there?
1: Ooh, yeah, I did. Actually, okay. I thought I was going to get a job there. Um, I remember going to a journalism conference, and right before I went to this journalism conference, NABJ specifically, uh, one of the bosses there told me, you know, hey, you know, we're thinking about bringing you on for a job. You know, I think this this job could be doable for you if you're going to go off to grad school. Um, You know, this might be something really good, you know, a a good thing for you. So I'm thinking like, okay. obviously, he didn't promise me a job, but, you know, he was going to look into it. And, you know, he I had a couple of meetings with him and some, you know, met with some other people um, within the department and things seemed really promising. In my mind, I thought to myself, I'm going to go off to graduate school at LSU and I am going to take this job. I'm gonna have this job. Uh, after that conference came back, I might have had a week left on the internship and then after that started grad school and still hadn't heard anything. And then maybe another week or so I went by in grad school and then I finally found out that you know they were kind of moving in a different direction of things, you know, within the company, uh, which sometimes that happens in big media companies. And they uh, eventually, it was almost like a blessing in disguise because uh, maybe a couple of months later, ESPN had a series of layouts. Typically, you know, they have layoffs maybe every other two years or so. Right. So how
0: did you uh, pick yourself up once you didn't get that job?
1: Uh, it was at that time in my 22 year old mind. Um, I don't know if it was just me picking myself up, but it was more of like, you know, I was in my own head about a bunch of things for sure. in terms of thinking like, well, maybe I didn't get the job because maybe I wasn't qualified enough. You know, maybe I wasn't good enough, which, you know, that's a story for another day, you know, but uh I was in my own head. And so after that, I told myself whenever that job or, you know, because again, when I first went to ESPN, I looked at it as my dream job. It's not to say that it's still not my dream job now. Um, obviously, if I was to ever get back, we want to be in a much bigger capacity than what I am now. or right. what You I just was have a new then. perspective. Correct. So what I did was I just said, you know what, by that time, you know, moving forward, I'm going to be prepared to where I have the experience. I have the additional degree, you know, that I'm going to be ready. And, you know, when I'm when my name is Kyle, I'm going to execute and, and, and be ready.
0: So you picked yourself up. You went on to grad school. What was that experience
1: like? It was hard. I'm not going to even lie. The coursework itself wasn't hard. Um, that was the easy part. But I think just, you know, coming into grad school straight out of undergrad was just like, okay, I just graduated several months ago, and now I'm in grad school, and it's a lot harder. And not only are you, are you you know, probably, in my case, I was like one of three of the youngest people in my cohort. So most of the people that I was in class with was like, you know, 30 or you know 31 32 29 i mean the ages ranged honestly but you know being that i came right after grad, you know right after undergrad it was just like okay well i'm here but knowing that you know my mindset was still kind of like i'm fresh out of undergrad and mm-hmm. coming out from an, from an internship it's like my mindset's different i'm i'm more i always look at it like this in undergrad we're always on that like rushed to pace to get things done or like you know i got this project to do i have this to do, I'm, I'm involved in this organization or i'm getting i'm doing some things over here well in grad school it's like you can do some of those other things but you better hone in on the coursework because it's a lot harder than what it is in undergrad
0: for sure so speaking of adjustments that you had to make then since then so you, you were able to you know continue your um grad school journey um You know, in the process of the journey, you ended up having to make an adjustment and you were lived in Atlanta with your aunt, your uncle and your cousin. That would be myself. Right. Tell me about that experience. What was that experience like for you? How was the adjustment? Um, You know, give us some insight into that
1: part of your life. Okay, Uh, that's a great question, because that part of my life probably shaped the man that you see today. And I think you could attest to that (laughs) Um, because we lived it together. And when I say, AJ, when I found out about when I thought I was going to graduate in May of 17, I just knew I I was so ready to leave LSU. I was like, you know, I came in August of 2015, you know, it's May of 17. These are my two years for the degree. Like I'm ready to be done. And when I found out that I wasn't going to graduate, it was like, you know, what? Like, what you mean I'm not going to graduate? Like, I mean, you know, the way I thought the project, that my project was supposed to go or everything like that, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to graduate. But my department chair, you know, uh, well, eventually, it was my department chair who would also eventually be uh, the leader of my committee for my project. She was like, well, no, you know, you're not going to graduate in May of 17. You might be able to graduate in December of 17, you know. And, And I'm thinking to myself, well, what about my job? You know, she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you want to go take a job, the, the job opportunity that you just got, it's a really, really great opportunity. It's going to help you, and you could take school with you. And I'm thinking to myself, on March 28, 2017, when she told me that, when I sat in her office, I said, yeah, nah, like this, I don't know about this. And I remember going back and forth with my dad daily after after finding out I got that job, and he was like, you got to take it. I'm thinking like, but dad, like, how do you take a job and you're not done with school? Like that, that just doesn't sit right with me. Just to give the viewers a little bit more insight and perspective. So my cousin, he basically
0: was in the process of trying to finish his degree in grad school, but he received a job from Cox media group that wanted him to accept while he wasn't finished because he hadn't finished his project yet. So there was the dilemma of, do I finish school or do I, you know, take this job and try to do the project at the same time. Right. So,
1: um, Tell us about what you decide. So I decided to go. And what that meant was uh, my apartment and everything Baton Rouge related. Because at that time, I was finished; I had just finished up my coursework in December of 16. So essentially, the only thing I was doing in, in 17, spring 17 semester was working on that project, interning at a TV station. Um, I was student rep for NAVJ at the time. Um, I had a lot going on in, in, in between that uh, and some just some life stuff going on at that time. But I ended up packing up all my stuff, and I moved out on uh, May 30th, and then I came to Atlanta on June 1st, 2017. i never forget. Wow. And I started work at uh, WSB on June 7th. That was my wow. first day. And I knew, like, pretty much kind of like after the first month or so, I was like, this is probably going to be really hard for me to finish school just due to the fact that, you know, when you work at a place like WSB, for those who know – um wsb is like king when it comes to breaking news or really anything when it comes to news in atlanta itself uh but specifically breaking news and that's what i was dealing with on a daily basis helping reporters um you know to put their stories on 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 the web it's more of like a uh, digital producer um i also was doing some other stuff on the side for sports uh in terms of writing stories and, and producing content like that so i mean man like you're talking about working 40 hours a week but be Believe it or not, it was much more than 40 hours a week, yeah. maybe like 50 or more Some You time. still trying to do a project. Correct. So, you know, and we're not going to even talk about how I got to work. So that transition that you just mentioned, like, so me and my my, my great cousin right here, uh, we would take public transit to work, man. Like, And for those who do not know, you know, Atlanta <laughs> traffic is it's crazy. A it's a Yes. Breeze. Especially in the morning and especially during the school year. So... If you're like us, if you got to be at work at 8.30 or or 8.45 or something like that, you know, for me, I'm speaking on my behalf, you know, you catch the bus for, you know, 6.45, you know, you got to get to the bus stop first, though. So you get to the bus stop and, you know, you catch that bus for 6.45, you don't make it downtown until like 8.15. It'd be tough. Yeah, that and that's on. That's making sure the traffic is just at a at a minimum at a norm. Don't let it be an accident on I eighty five or exactly. or two eighty five.
0: And getting there is not the is not the worst part. Coming home is by far the worst.
1: Oh gosh, coming home was the biggest L. You get. I mean, it's just like you you get there and you know. Again, I don't know. I know you had. I know you would say that you have to get out the bus and then. Oh, I you think know. my
0: situation was worse than yours, bro. To this yeah,
1: day, I would say that. I was
0: commuting from Conyers to Dunwoody.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. I took a bus
0: to take a train to go up and then get off to walk across to get to my job, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough.
1: So so we share those same sentiments, man, because I would get to uh, a a, a train stop or it was a train and bus stop, a a Martyr bus stop and an actual bus stop downtown. And I would still have to walk about 15 to 20 minutes to work. And I'm thinking to myself, if you know anything about when it gets cold in Atlanta and downtown, like you walking and it's cold. In between the buildings, man. Yes. You're bundled up and it's still cold. Yeah. So, you, you know, you get there or whatever, you make the work on time. And, man, it's like you go from... Okay, I'm off of a bus ride to like okay, I'm I'm in corporate America and it's time to get to work and you 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 gotta work. There's no downtime when you when you get there. You work from the start to the finish and that's what it is. And then man, after that, um, you know, you get off work. You definitely don't always get off working on time, but you know, kind of staying on that bus situation. I got off work typically at 5:30, 5:45, allegedly. So, you know, if I hadn't, let's say, finished cutting a series of videos, my boss would be like, you know, uh, yeah, Wilton, um, just finish up these last couple of videos or whatever, and then you can go. Well, okay, that's fine. I had no problem doing that. But the thing is, if I wasn't at that bus stop to catch that bus for 555, that means I had to wait a whole nother 30, 40 minutes to catch the next bus, which means I'm not going to get home to eight o'clock, which, oh, by the way, that means it pushes everything back for me starting on my homework or starting on my schoolwork to finish my project, which didn't necessarily start to like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And oh, by the way, you spending four or five hours doing stuff for schoolwork and you getting up the next day to catch a bus for 645.
0: Yeah. Terrible times. Yeah. So, so it sounds like there was a lot of growing pains going on there. So what I want to ask you is when you think about Atlanta, what are the first three things that come (laughs) to (laughs) mind?
1: What do I think about when I come to Atlanta, man? You know, obviously I think about you and like the times we hung out. You know, we would you know hoop on Saturdays, spending time with you know you know my aunt and uncle. But more than anything, you know, I always think about Peachtree. You know, I think about like that that skyline, like how you know when we was going skyline to work, is
0: special. Skyline you know, is special.
1: Like going there every day, uh, you know, going to work. I re- I can always picture that in my mind. Like even when I come back to visit now, I could just think like I remember going through these streets all the time going to work you know what I mean and just thinking about that and um you know just the good times we had like we didn't know we didn't know that the times we were going through at that time would would really be the good times no you're
0: absolutely right you're absolutely right man so that's kind of funny that those are the things that you think of we'll we'll get back on that in a minute um so you know progressing your career uh you've taught and currently do teach at um HBCU. So I wanted to talk to you about your experience, you know, in doing that and what HBCUs really
1: just mean to you as a person. That's a good question. So I I enjoy teaching. That's one reason why I went back to get my master's because, I mean, obviously I wanted to work in the industry now um, and then, you know, teach at the same time. And I want to stay in the industry for a while. But then after I decide to, you know, you know, retire from the industry, you know, maybe 15, 20 years later, that I can teach full time because I have my master's degree. So um, I enjoy teaching a lot. And then also I enjoy teaching. I don't necessarily just have to teach at an HBCU, but that was my, my first opportunity when it came to teaching. Um, and so I, I, I've enjoyed it, man. Like Jackson State and, and the department chair at Jackson State, man, she's 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 awesome. Um, you know, she took a chance on me and given me, you know, at that time I was every bit of 26 years old, you know, giving me a chance to... Uh, teach young minds that not that that aren't very far removed from me like 26 and like you're talking about people who are the ages of anywhere between 20 to 22, maybe even 23. So you know that she's interested in me to teach them the basic skills in journalism of how to write when it comes for comes to television and radio news writing. So uh, I, I've enjoyed it thoroughly, man. And like in terms of HBCUs, I didn't go to an HBCU. Obviously I went to two PW, uh, PWIs, but I have a lot of respect for HBCUs. It's a lot of culture there. Um, sometimes I wished I would have, you know, maybe had that experience um, to actually go there as a student. But I mean, with the, the family uh, history of HBCUs in my family, like I've always felt connected to HBCU. So I'm not, I've never felt like I didn't belong or that I didn't connect because I grew up around HBCUs all of my life.
0: For sure. And I think that that definitely played a role in you getting that job. Um, right. So what are some of your favorite things about HBCUs and then some of the common misconceptions that you see about them?
1: Well, some of the favorite things, man. I mean, this probably sounds really, really cliche. Uh, the culture there, you know, just, you know, the students, the way that they the way that they dress, the, the, the trends that they set. Um, even just, you know, this is a really another really popular thing, the homecomings. Like, Absolutely. I mean, as, as you know, like, when I, <laughs> we were in Atlanta, going to Spellhouse, I, I remember telling you, like, man, I, I remember growing up, going to Jackson State homecomings and Alcorn and, you know, places like that, or Jack State, when they play Jackson State and Southern and, 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 and the Bayou Classic between Grambling and Southern and, and things like that. But Spellhouse... It's a different beast, like it's it's different, like, and I enjoyed it, you know it was a great time, and like I said it's just it's it's the, it's those moments like that, and then it's just like you know to see students, you know a lot of students that look just like you. Um, you know, striving to do the same thing, even though necessarily, uh, the world is not necessarily made that way, but to experience something like that in those years of your life, which should be some of the best years of your life, it, it's, a, it's a good experience. I mean, like I said, before, you know, COVID and having, you know, before COVID happened, I was able to teach in person uh, with my students and just to see how the way that they would interact, you know, on campus or, or anything like that. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a good experience. It's a really good experience. It's one that I truly appreciate too, having gone to two PWIs. What do you think some common misconceptions are about HBCUs that P- that you could maybe clear up? Uh, that you know, certain students from HBCUs aren't aren't as strong as students from PWIs. And like I said, I've seen just from teaching. Um, students in journalism, or or better even like, you know, maybe sitting on, you know, panels for things or anything like that, that like, it's some talented students at HBCUs. And I think the only thing that's missing for them is the opportunities. And, you know, granted, I think that, you know, me and you often talk about this and we talked about this when I lived there. It's not so much about what you, about what you know, it's who you know. Because you can have the perfect GPA, you can have the perfect experience, you can have everything lined up for you. But if you don't, you know, if you don't know the right people and you're not putting yourself in the position to do things because you don't know how to do them, then you're going to be limited. And I think that's where sometimes like, you know, I think, you know, some students from HBCUs don't necessarily have that, that person to be the connection for them to bridge the gap, to get to some of those opportunities.
0: For sure. That's all it's about is access. Um, So putting you on the hot seat, who has the better band, Jackson State or Southern?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, man, like, Mm, I could get in uh, a lot of trouble for this boy uh, but like this having played in a man in high school and you know I went to a high school that 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 mimicked uh, Jackson State right yeah. so uh, for those who don't know I went to Jim Hill High School it was like literally right around the corner from Jim Hill man yeah man like right around the corner from Jackson State uh, in terms of band wise in terms of volume I'm gonna say Southern in terms of Just a pure show, like the details of a show or anything like that, I would go with Jackson State. When it comes to drum lines, I would definitely go with Jackson State. Okay. That may be a little bit biased, but I think, you know, based off how I grew up playing in in, in the percussion section, you know, in high school and and things like that, I would definitely choose Jackson State's drum line. But in terms of like.
0: Them horns.
1: Oh my gosh. Southern
0: Southern different. Absolutely. Southern different horns.
1: They are. And it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they have more. They're very brassy. But Southern has always been like that. So mm-hmm. if you remove the fact that they're truly brassy and all of that, it's like if you if they did not have that, I don't know if they would be Southern the way that people know them to be. But what they do? You know, it's who they are.
0: Mandatory. Absolutely. Um, so you're from Jackson, Mississippi. West Jackson to be exact, man. Right. Um, how does where you're from dictate how you move every day within
1: life? It helps out a lot, and it it definitely keeps me grounded for sure because, you know, I remember being at at, at Southern Miss, and, you know, I, I was fortunate enough, you know, that God blessed me with some opportunities to do some things at Southern Miss. And, you know, I, I knew a lot of different people. Like, you know, yes, I was a part of a, you know, I'm a part of a fraternity. But at the same time, I was an RA. At the same time, I was, you know, I had a lot of leadership roles in, like, honor societies and and things like that. So I knew a lot of people from a lot of different organizations. Homecoming
0: King, right?
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And so I just feel like... Um, I feel like I'm losing lose my train of thought. Of what you was asking? I was asking question. about how
0: where you're from. How does that impact you each day? Right,
1: right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, and I'm getting to that. Somebody thought they said to me, "Well, Wilson, didn't you go to um, Pearl or Brandon High School or or somewhere like that?" I said, "No, I went to Jim Hill High School. That's in Jackson, right?" I said, "Yeah, I'm from Jackson." And then they'll say, "No," I'll say, "Well, what part of Jackson?" And they'll say, "I went to I, I'm I'm from Pearl or Florence or." Brandon or Clinton I'm like that's not Jackson you know it's the it's the the Jackson area you know what I mean but that's not not, that that's not that's not the core of Jackson that's not you went to Jim Hill Provine, Wingfield, Callaway you know places like that no disrespect of course but at the same time it's like yes I went to an inner city school in Jackson where most people don't come out doing well you know when people look at Jackson public schools they look at JPS as a You know, from the outside looking in, they look at it as a failing school district and that, you know, the students that come there, come from there, aren't going to do well. Well, I wanted to be different and I chose to take a different route. And like I said, you know, kind of, you know, being blessed to have some of the opportunities that I did, being from West Jackson molds me every day to think that, you know what, maybe just maybe if I continue to work hard and do what I need to do and keep myself grounded and, you know, and and trust God in the process that maybe I'll get to that place that I really want to be. And I can look back and talk to somebody that's in high school, middle school, even in college and say, you know, I came from West Jackson, you know, I didn't necessarily have it the worst, but at the same time, this is a place where most people don't do anything. Don't nothing good comes from West Jackson, but that keeps me grounded every day to say, you know what, keep pushing and you never know how far you can get.
0: That's lit. And I think that it's cool that you, you know, have strived to be able to make that difference in talking to people and instilling that knowledge on those who are younger than you. So that leads me to a question of um, how does how does teaching fulfill you?
1: How does it fulfill me? Because you kind of said it within just asking this question, you know, you know, giving giving young minds the things that they need and also the things that either I didn't fully take advantage of when I was a student or that I never got. And so I remember teaching on my first day. Uh, my students wouldn't know this, but I remember telling my dad this after my first day of teaching in person in, uh, in the fall of 19, that fall 19 semester. First day I told them, of course, you know, you go over your syllabus and, you know, you, you tell them like what, I, what you expect as a professor and yada, this and that. But, you know, a sheet that I gave them that I, that I remember putting together um, when I was finishing up my project. And it it actually kind of stemmed from a sheet that was on my, my dad's office door um, downtown, and he said on that sheet it says it's on a little poster it says so you want to be a soldier or so you want to be uh, a leader or it's either so you want to be a leader or you want to be a, a a soldier or something like that something military related, and a lot of times when I was finishing up my project I would read that, and when I would read it often I came up I came up something came up with something myself as I was finishing up my project and I said, you know what, this helped me out a lot, but what if I rephrase this to, so you want to be a journalist or so you want to be a reporter, you know, and you change these things around of things is to say like, you know, almost like a little checklist of saying like, if this is what you really want to do, these are the sacrifices that you're going to have to make. So in terms of, you know, knowing that I try to give them the things that I didn't that I didn't know a lot of then and, and try to share my experiences on the job um, with them as I teach them. So, like, that was the really good thing about teaching in person, man. Like, I was literally coming from work at the time at the clan Ledger um, as a trend reporter doing news and sports and a bunch of other different things. Like, I would give them examples of stories that I would do every day. You know, yeah. these are things that I deal with on a daily basis. These are the stories that, okay – I have to get this done in a certain amount of time, whether it's 15, 20 minutes, or here's a story that I got, but oh, by the way, here's another story coming. You know, this person got shot, or here's an investigation that we're looking into, um, or oh, by the way, a sports story has come through. Like, you know, you, you're juggling multiple things. I see, I, I think that the good thing about that opportunity. Of, of being able to teach while working in the field, it gives them those hands-on experiences as opposed to just teaching them from a book. Because it's like, yeah, the book is gonna teach you the concepts, but it's nothing like being in live action and taking what you may have just did and giving it to them right away.
0: Absolutely, and I think that it's lit that you're someone who's not far removed from them, who can really like understand them and connect with them and really just you know build that bond and connection to really help them and uh, serve as a trusted advisor moving forward. Right. Um, So outside of teaching, what other aspirations do you have?
1: So, yeah, man, um, I'm also looking to, um, you know, build on this project that I that I finished in graduate school, man. And so I'm hoping to get it implemented in the school district in Jackson. And then also get it uh, get it implemented into other school districts across the state and really just, you know, the country itself moving forward on on down the line. So that's one thing. And then also I have a brand that I'm um, preparing to uh, launch pretty soon. Um, something that I kind of built off of when I was finishing up this project. It was, I guess the name and the desire to do it came out of me finishing up this project. Uh, can't can't say the name right now, um, but you know, just for those that'll be listening to this podcast, you know, and if you want to follow me on Instagram at Wilton Reports, you'll see that it's a brand that's it's very inspiring and it's uh, something that that's really that probably hits home for me because I remember when I came up with it and and, and what it stands for. And it's also when you see it. Uh, it has a lot of everything that you will see within this brand stands for something. The logo, when it's going to be released and all that, everything that's in that logo means something specific to me and my future. Um, so that's that's another big part of what I'm trying to do as well. OK, that's awesome. I love how you have a lot of different things that
0: you're interested in and that are you know, important to you and that you're passionate about. Um, all of these things require, you know, a tremendous amount of focus, effort, dedication. So where do you get your where do you get your work ethic from? That's one of the best things I can say about you that you rubbed off on me. Even you know, I consider myself to have a great work ethic, but I feel like I would fail in comparison to
1: yourself. Where, where do you think you get that from? Well, you for sure don't fail, bro. I mean, and, and, and I definitely say that. And that's the one of the first things I want to say because you you like I said one thing you always tell me when we live together is like we're all at our own pace. And you know, I remember you telling me something like that, and I also remember you telling me that you know well brother in these words um you know nobody's obligated to wait on you to achieve your dreams and that always stuck with me I even repeat that to myself daily you know but that that's that's on another story but I say that to say this I th- my work ethic as far as like from a person came from my dad you know yeah. that structure the discipline I mean he was in the military and you know that that was kind of mandated of him in terms of how he lived his life And, you know, as a kid, you and probably all of my other friends probably thought my dad was mean as all outdoors, (laughs) including myself. I used to think to myself, like, why is he so hard on me to like, you know, have structure and be disciplined and, you know, make sure you have a plan. Even if it doesn't go as planned, like you need to have a plan A and then also a B, C, D, E and F, you know, because you just you just never know what can happen in life. And I think that, you know, he also showed me that, you know, if you work hard to get to where you want to go. Or if you work hard, you know, you may get to where you want to go. It's not, it's not destined, or it's not obligated that the world is gonna give you um, what you what you deserve just because you put the work in. Because it's not. I've even seen just in my young age now that yeah, I put in a lot of work. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna still get to my ultimate goal. But yeah. the one thing is that I tell myself daily, you know, after a long day, you know, and if I've been up, you know, all day just for my my, my regular job, that's not even just regular. Plus. My own other things I have going on the side is that you wake up and you fight another day and know that like the work that you're putting in, is not only going to help you, but hopefully, you know, in the long run, when I get into like my late 30s or 40s, that it'll impact somebody else. And they'll come back and say, you know what, Wilton, you know, uh, I really appreciate the work that you laid before me so that I could do this and expand on what you've already done.
0: Straight up, man. I, I think that's great, um, and so that really, you know, kind of gives a great encapsulation of you as a person and how you con- how you continuously are able to strive and grow and succeed in everything you do. I want to now know so we understand where you got your work ethic from. You work within sports. Uh, what is it about sports that you love so much? What what's what's the desire there? What's the draw
1: there? Where does the passion come from? You know, sports that, believe it or not, that stems from my dad too. And, you know, as a kid growing up, I I think the first the first sport that I really got into was uh, a smaller version of baseball called T-ball, of course, uh, did that. And then I, after that, it was basketball. And so, you know, I'm sure you know this, but my favorite player growing up was Allen Iverson. And so I thought that, I was gonna be not necessarily the next Allen Iverson, but I thought that you know I would you know go on to play throughout middle school and high school and you know I don't know maybe even college, but you know that dream kind of changed once you know my dad went off to active duty in the military, Um, and so it was just me and my mom and my sister, and 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 like my aspirations changed. I mean, granted, school and academics was gonna always come first in my house. Like that's that's just how it was. Absolutely. uh, I changed from wanting to just do sports, as in like playing them all the time, to uh, still playing them, but then also watching them and wanting to be connected to it. And I think it was like more so the fact that when I got to high school and just starting to, you know, build on the information that I knew from a kid, you know, I said to myself, it was either going to be one of two things. It was going to be sports medicine or it was going to be sports journalism. So I took the journalism route. Um, and and I, and I enjoyed it. Like, I like, you know, watching the games and, you know, watching, you know, uh, anchors like Stuart Scott, you know, with his personality and what he brought to the sports television realm. I mean, I mean, you talk about someone who's remarkable, but, you know, rest in peace to him, but, um, you know, how he, how he paved the way for a lot of sports anchors, male and female, and not even just black, but it like, you know, sports anchors, period, sports reporters in general. You know, Absolutely. that 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 respecting him for what he did. And I think, man, to myself that, you know, the work that someone like him that he paved, I only hope to, you know, I won't necessarily ever be a sports anchor, but my goal is to be able to write different stories, go on air and, and talk about them on a major platform, whether it's for ESPN or, you know, whoever, and whether it's for television or radio, I want to be able to do that and teach these students, you know, the the work that goes behind doing something like that. So that when I get to, you know, that age of like, you know, 50 or 55 and be like Kevin Blackstone, who's on Around the Horn, who's, you know, uh, still reporting or doing what he wants to do, but also teaching at the University of Maryland, that's huge. And to be able to like share that knowledge with them, because a lot of times, I look and think to myself: a lot of journalism students don't have those people that they can reach out to and just touch. A few of us do, you know, but the the typical journalism student doesn't. So I say all that to say this: bringing it back to sports. Sports is is it's a way of life for me. It's it's definitely a way of life, and and it's not so much just like you know, hey. I want to go shoot a basketball. I want to watch somebody shoot a basketball. I want to see, you know, uh, Kevin Durant come back after this Achilles injury and see what he does in his first game or whatever. It's not just about that, to be honest. And this didn't really happen for me until after I got out of undergrad and after doing um, sports journalism Institute, I learned that a lot of the better stories that you tell when it comes to sports doesn't necessarily have to do with the actual competitive games It has to do with some of these the lives of some of these athletes like, you know, what are they doing when it comes to to situations involving Black Lives Matter? You know, what are they doing in terms of like their own initiatives away from the court? You know, how are they, you know, giving back to a community where they came from on top of still putting on on the court and keeping their level of production at an all time high? I think we can all, you know, again, rest 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 in peace to Kobe Green Bryant. You know, you know, not the not the not the perfect person, but Kobe was our Michael Jordan of our of our time. Absolutely. And the way he went about doing things, you know, granted, we knew he was, you know, mamba on the court, but away from the court. He was also mamba, meaning that his work ethic and everything else that he wanted to do. It was the same way.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And I think those are some great answers. And I think that I love, you know, just the way that sports can unify us all. You know, you can be in a room full of different people and the sports game can be on and everybody can just find that commonality between each other that really, you know, makes a difference in in how we view each other. And just um, it just really shows
1: you how one game can make an impact on lives um, all around. So. Right. Right. And not even and not even just a game. Like, And I think you can attest to what I'm about to say, too. When we were without sports, I think two things. It made us realize that the world that we live in, we need sports. Granted, when COVID first happened, we couldn't play due to the conditions and we didn't know about the virus as much as we know now, but we couldn't play. But to counter that, the last dance.
0: When the last
1: dance came out- Captured everyone's attention. Absolutely. There was probably not a soul on the face of the earth that did not watch at least some of that facts you know and i think that that in itself to look back at a a legend in michael jordan and to see the body of work that he did and really look at this before our eyes, just like as kids we grew up watching like okay you know this is michael jordan and we caught the tail end of him you know what i mean like we, we 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 wore his shoes we liked his shoes our friends had his shoes or whatever whatever and you know i still have friends that still where Jordan's like, they're going Absolutely. out of style. yeah, easily. And you know what I mean? But it's like that moment, you talk about what sports does for society and what it really means, it's so much more than just what happens on the court. Michael Jordan hasn't been on the court since, what, 2002 when he last played with the Wizards? So it's like 2002, 2003, something like that. So it's like, to see that we're about to be in 2021 you're talking about over 15 years from a man that's not even on the court anymore and that's how you speak still... about impact exactly yeah. exactly so listen
0: man these next few questions i kind of want to go rapid fire okay. um just getting your opinion on some of them so i'm gonna i'm gonna spit off the questions and then you give them the answer so give your answer but we're gonna we're gonna go a little rapid fire okay so who's your favorite athlete of all time and why
1: Woo! Favorite athlete of all time and why? Wow, good God, that's a hard one. We're gonna have to go with Kobe. Okay, why? I think like because like, just his work ethic, man. And believe it or not, that, that that's no disrespect to my favorite player. Cause just, I thought you were gonna say Iverson. Iverson, and you know what? He's my favorite player, but in terms of all He's time, an athlete. yes, all time favorite uh, favorite player. I'm gonna have to go with Kobe, man. It's just like. Now where I'm at, and to see where he was when he retired, and to know the things that he was doing, you know, right up until he, you know, passed away, it's like that work ethic, man. That is, is unquestionable. And I think that you know, a lot of times I think to myself, and this is weird, what I may, what I'm about to say, is that you know, I always, I've always looked at myself to have a strong work ethic. But then, you know, there are days when I'm tired and I think to myself, like, I don't feel like doing this. You know, I got work. I'm trying to do four or five of the different things. But then I ask myself, you know, what would Kobe do? I'm sure it was a lot of times in series where, you know, maybe the Lakers were down and, like, you know, he was hurt and he was injured and, and all these things. And it's like, he didn't give up because he couldn't give up.
0: Let's ask you a second question. Kobe versus LeBron. Who you taking? The one-on-one? Uh, just, just overall as a player, who who do who do you think is
1: better, Kobe versus LeBron? Who who, who do I think is better as a player? Yes. Uh, st- strategically as a player, I'm probably gonna go Kobe. In terms of athleticism and as an athlete, I go with LeBron. Okay, okay, I can respect
0: that. Who do you think is gonna win the Super Bowl this year?
1: You know what? I thought I would never say this. But I mean, right now, man, Patrick
0: Mahomes—he's different. He I'm is, real. man. He, he's, the, he's the greatest <laughs> of all time, bro. Like I you don't know. have to see any more. <laughs> he is the greatest of all time, bro. I don't have to see any more, bro. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is—he's—he's—he's he's, he's different. He like, hit that he, ten thousand hours. You know how they be like, hey, yeah, a thousand yeah. or ten thousand hours is how long it takes for you to master something. Yeah. He's in his 10,000 hours, bro.
1: Yeah, like, he, he he is balling. And then just thinking of the weapons that they have. And, like, Tyree Tari- Tari- gig- Hill? Tariq, oh I'm going to be real.
0: Tariq Hill probably is the best receiver in the game right now. Unpopular as it might be to say. Right now, there's nothing on the route, tree that he can't run. Like, he's probably the best in the league right now, in my opinion. Absolutely. What's your, what's your favorite sports moment of all time? Favorite sports moment of all time?
1: Uh... Or if you can't narrow down one, give me a few. Yeah, I don't think I can just name one, man. Uh, I think one of them would be being that I'm a Saints fan. When Tracy Porter intercepted Peyton and and returned that oh, ball for a touchdown. That's oh, my kind God. Like, like... For a Saints fan who was has been watching them when they weren't winning games, all the stories that, of things that happened to them, you know, from the past when they weren't winning at all to the seven and nine seasons, you know, you know the season where they had Aaron Brook to now seeing Drew Brees lead them to a Super Bowl. Oh man, like 2009 was, was the year, like that. That was that was one moment, I think. When, um, um, I think the next moment would be. When Kobe finally won his first championship without Shaq, mm. that 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 was an iconic moment for me. Um, to see Dwayne Wade now, even though he's out of the league, Bro. like the Those way six. that the way that they came and, and did that, I, I have a lot of respect for Dwayne Wade now. Um, what else? Some other moments that I that I can appreciate. Uh, believe it or not, one of my favorite moments as a kid, two moments. Um, Super Bowls, the Titans and Rams. Bruh, and,
0: that's one of the best Super Bowls
1: ever. And, like, Kevin Dyson didn't get that extra yard, man. You know, rest in peace, Steve Maynard. But he didn't get that extra yard. And I I, I will never forget that because I was thinking to myself, That's like, like one Shit. of my
0: first sports memories.
1: Yeah, yep, yep. That was I wanted one Steve
0: Maynard my... to win that game so bad.
1: Yep, yep. That was one of my favorite ones. And then the Music City Miracle. Uh, between, um, with, with the Titans and like the Titans scored that, that touchdown and, 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 um, you know, went to the next round. Like, so, I mean, those are some of my, my, my biggest, I think biggest sports moments. I mean, it's a lot more, obviously. I I put
0: you on the high seat. So those are fine. Yeah. Those are fine. Uh, what's your biggest fear?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, my biggest fear, man, honestly, is dying before I've achieved the greatness I'm supposed to achieve. Mm. And it's like, I know I say that in a way of, you're probably thinking like, that was maybe deep or, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know how the way you may have taken it. But, like, I don't want to die knowing that I didn't do what I was supposed to do or okay. that I or that I started it and I didn't finish it. Un- un- untapped potential or unfulfilled yes. potential.
0: Yes. I, I think that's one of my biggest fears as well. So that's I can respect that. What do you think is your biggest success up to
1: date? My biggest success up to date? Um, well, honestly, believe it or not, I think it's finishing grad school. Honestly, bro. And really? the reason I say that is because now that I finished, you know, so the reason I had to, you know, obviously stay longer was because of that project. And so now that that project is in the process of being implemented into school districts, I think that, you know, I think it's gonna pay huge dividends for me on down the road. And it's because, you know, I thought to myself, my dad, I remember when I first told my dad what I wanted to do for that project, and he was like, this is going to be good, but it may take you in some extra time. And I'm thinking, like, well, I don't want to take extra time. Like, that's that's not what I'm trying to do. And then when it actually happened that way and my committee stayed on me, you know, telling me, like, well, Wilson, this is a good project. Like, this could be a game changer, not only for now, but, you know, in years to come as you continue to go up in the industry. So I think that's one of them. And then also, man, um, just being able to be in a place where I feel like, I'm starting to get to a point where I can help people that's coming up behind me, you know. whether, if it, whether if it's just, you know, continuing to go up in the industry, but then also teaching, you know, I'm, be, I'm able to share the experiences from both sides so that that way, you know, for that kid that's coming from West Jackson um, that's going off to college, whether if it's an HBCU or a PWI, you know, that they come into college and they say they want to do journalism That they're prepared to a degree. I mean, granted, you know, there are things you're still gonna learn while you're in school, but at the same time, they're much more prepared than what I was when I first came to school. I can go for that. What do you want your legacy to be, man? I want my legacy to be one that that people remember as you know, he was one of the hardest workers I knew. Not necessarily the smartest, but one of the hardest workers. That I knew, and that he wasn't—he wasn't the hardest worker just because he wanted to be stuck on himself, and that he was so into self, self, self. But that he grinded, and he—he—he he, he did what he did, you know, to get to where he was at the level that he was. But at the same time, he had time to give back to those that wanted to—to to receive the—the the, the feedback, and that wanted to be better. Um, and so I want to be remembered for somebody like that—that that someone that you know. That could come to me and talk to me about anything, which is partially why I even decided to become a reporter. You know, a lot of times we have to have that flexibility of being able to talk to people, not just for the stories, but you know, making them feel comfortable because you can interview somebody, man, and they may not, they'll give you an answer, but they might not give you an answer if that makes, it, makes any sense. Yeah. Like they'll give you a generic answer, and it's like, okay, well, that didn't really do much. But the ones that you, know, uh, that you can make feel comfortable, it's a game changer. I remember my boss, man, uh, shout out to Tammy at the Clan Ledger. Um, I remember when she did an interview with me when I was applying for that job. She said, one thing about you, I, I don't know you yet, but one thing about you, you have a way of talking to people. And you have a way with, you know, making people feel comfortable. And this was a phone interview. And typically, you know, nobody really likes doing just regular phone interviews for a story, yeah. especially if you can do it in person. But like, especially with the way that we're doing things now in COVID, like you get a phone interview a FaceTime or, you know, Skype or things like that. But she always said, always keep your personality when it comes to interviews, even through the hard ones. Like, you know, be, be, be open and be willing to help people be open with you. That's yeah. one of your, your strong suits. And I've always, I've, I've listened to her since she's told me that.
0: And that's great. And that's a great segue for me because my next question to you is going to be, what's some advice that you have for those who are trying to break into your field and maybe get to where you are? Man,
1: listen, I'll say this to get, not even just to get to where I'm at, but just even just breaking in the field. Cause I feel like I have a long way to go, which I do. Um, but I think the biggest thing I would tell anybody to do is continue to work hard. Like, bush your tail and i say that in a way of one piece of advice when i was first starting off was that i knew i wanted to get into sports well i understand now why some of my mentors would always say the best sports reporters come from news actually some of them even even more said the best sports reporter come sports sports reporters come from breaking news and having done like, you know, the trending news at the Clan Legend, then before I left the Clan Legend doing breaking news, I can understand that now. I can also appreciate it too from coming, you know, from the Clan Legend, even WSB, the king of breaking news. So it's like, you know, if you can get into an, an, an opportunity where you're doing some type of like hard news, breaking news, take that, especially if you know you want to do. Some type of reporting, um, you know, whether it's long form or any other type of reporting you want to do long term, like it, it, nothing beats breaking news. And then two, take advantage of different opportunities, specifically for college students. Like when I was in school, uh, specifically undergrad, you know, I was writing for the student newspaper, but then also, you know, working with the radio station and doing stuff for TV broadcast was my major. Um, But and then also taking advantage of opportunities aside from what you're doing in in, in the paper or uh, in your student media platforms, like take advantage of opportunities. But also the biggest one that I feel like I didn't do soon enough, which I started doing before I got out of college, but I felt like I was behind. I started maybe about my junior year getting connected to the right people That could help put me in places. And, you know, I got involved with NABJ that led to getting involved with ONA and SPJ and some other places, uh, some other organizations. But I think that the sooner that you can get connected to the people that you need to know, will open up so many more doors for you once you get on, once you get down the road. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And then speaking of, you know, that advice and things about learning and making mistakes and growing, um, you know, 2020, everyone is saying is just, you know, this terrible year and one of the craziest years we've had and that we've been able to experience. I want to ask you as we're heading to the close of 2020, um, what have you learned in the past year that you'll take with you moving forward?
1: That's a great question. That's a really great question. I got five words for you okay focus discipline persistence impact and i'm missing one i said what focus discipline persistence impact uh what would you say those four Okay. Those 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 four words are, are 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 things that I will take with me after you said what I'll take with me after
0: 2020. Yeah, well I asked what did you learn in this past year that you'll oh, take yeah.
1: with you moving forward. Yeah, I, I learned I learned those more than anything that I've ever imagined. Um 2020 has been a year and it's it's crazy because when I started 2020 before I before I actually started 2020 I wrote down my goals for this year. And I said to myself, I'm going to do that. And I, I had never done that before, but I decided to do it this year. And with writing down those goals, I wrote those those words down to say, you know what, through each season, there's going to be a word for, you know, it's four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. So for each season, um, there's going to be a word. And so I started off the year with focus. I knew that coming from a place of where I was coming from at the end of 19, from a personal standpoint, was I, I wasn't in the best place. I had a lot of um, things that happened in the latter part of 19 that was going to linger into 2020, but I had to make a conscious decision to say, you know what, it's time to be different. And if you know you want to go to the next level, you got to put some things in place to go to the next level, even when it's uncomfortable. So that whole first three months or so, man, it was nothing but focus. And I think that, that, that second uh, quarter two, man, uh, that was discipline. And I think during that time, that's when COVID hit, you know, between, um, uh, April, May, June, well, actually COVID hit in March in Mississippi, but that April, May, June, like it was, it was hard. Like I, it was like, you, we left from working at, from the office to coming home and working, then had family, family issues going on, man, in terms of like, you know, my, my sister, shout out to her, uh, Uh, she lost my niece this year and uh, yeah so that was that was an eye-opening experience a a sister who was now you know a mother who's now you know had to bury her daughter you know and now I was once an uncle who's now you know trying to be there for a sister who you know just wondering why things happen and sometimes I learned that in life that some things happen that you can't explain like it it, it, they just happen and you just kind of have to go with it knowing that you know, it's out of your hands, and certain things you really just cannot control. Like you cannot control, no matter how often you question them, you have to have the discipline enough to know that you just can't control it. Thanks. And and, and then throughout the rest of the year, man, like um, you know, persistence and impact. Like this last <laughs> last probably five or six, maybe even seven months, has been filled with a lot of persistence mm-hmm. in terms of just. You know, switching jobs. You know, things that I'm thinking to myself, like, well, how do I make this happen? I mean, I know I'm putting in the work, but sometimes you have to put in a little extra effort, and also have the right people in place to help you make things, uh, make things happen. And you know, God bless me with allowing me to kind of be able to do these things, man. And you know, shout out to Him because without Him, I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm doing and about to do moving forward. Absolutely, that's great. I, I really love all of those.
0: Um, as we begin to close um what's something about you that you feel like most people don't know
1: well most people probably don't know um on a more deeper level most people don't know I'm shy and you know being that you know I I I talk to students or people and you know maybe motivate them and work hard and things like that but I'm deep down I'm shy inside. but you won't necessarily (laughs) see it but I'm shy and i And the only reason I'm shy is because I'm thinking to myself, I don't know who's going to listen to me, who's going to believe in me. But a lot of times it starts off that way until that one person believes in you. Then it just goes from there.
0: You All know? it takes is one person.
1: It does. An extroverted introvert, I would call yep. you. An extroverted <laughs> introvert. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, too, I think uh, what some people don't know Is that I actually am a really fun person, meaning, like, you know, for example, if you went to college with me, most people would say, oh, he was always in the books, you know, getting his work done, busy, going to meetings and things like that. But, you know, I actually like playing video games. I like going to to the court to hoop. You know, I like to play flag football. You know, I like to, you know, have a good time in those ways. But if you went to school with me in college, you probably wouldn't know that.
0: Interesting. Well, I mean sometimes you just gotta open up a little bit and let people see a different side of you. Uh
1: what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Some of the best advice that I ever received. Couple things. Never let anyone know exactly what you have going on, all the details to it. Um I, I think I, that was a great, great understanding. That, that 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 became very important for me in 2020, you know, because I used to be a person that I would want to tell my fraternity brothers or, you know, people that I considered friends um, a lot of things because I thought they cared. And it's just like, you know, not that they aren't good people, but it's just like what I've realized as I've gotten noticed that most people don't care. It's not, it's no disrespect in terms of that they don't love you or that they don't care about you, but everybody has their things going on. And sometimes people will, you know, code it as, oh yeah, man, you know, I care about you. You know, I think you're doing good and I think you're doing these great things, but in actuality, they just want to be in your business. Absolutely. And, you know, and they'll tell you, like, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't do this because, you know, because of this or, you know, you need to rethink about this. And granted, always open to advice, but at the same time, remember that at the end of the day, you're still a person. You still have a voice and you get to decide how you want to move and how you want to live your life. So I think that was one thing. And then two, um, uh, never, never, never lose sight of what it is that you want to do. You know, whether it seems far-fetched, out of place, um, you know, all of that, never lose sight of it. I was one who I felt like, you know, it takes me talking to my dad now as, you know, some things have started to come to fruition with me. And he'll say, remember when I told you that certain things were going to kind of start happening for you? And I used to think to myself, like, yeah, right, like, you got to be joking. But now it's like, you know, he has somewhat of the last laugh to a degree because it's like some of the very things that I thought that wouldn't happen have started to happen. Belita, well, listen, man, we're we're pretty much
0: closing up, man. At this point, I just want to know if there's anything that you would like to say to me or leave the viewers with or, you know, anything you want to convey to everyone. This, this is your time. As I tell everyone, talk your shit, you know, like like, <laughs> let us know what's going on.
1: Yeah, man, like, you know, to all those people out there, man, this guy who uh, who's doing I'm this nobody, podcast. I'm
0: nah, nobody. nah.
1: <laughs> he, he'll always say he's nobody, but believe it or not, when we lived with each other, he told me a lot of stuff. He would always say, like, you know, uh, brother, you've you shown me a lot of things when you moved here. And, you know, you're helping me out and stuff like that. But believe it or not, bro, like, that one piece of advice, I promise you I'll never – I will never forget that a day in my life when you said, you know, bro – we were riding in the car and he was like – nobody's obligated to, to wait on you to fulfill your dreams. And I think that that stuck me in a lot of ways. At the time, I'm thinking to myself, like, how dare this man say that <laughs> nobody nobody's obligated? But then I had to realize and say, you know what? He's right, though. Like, even though my dreams and what I want to do and where I want to go is big, it's like, but that doesn't mean that somebody has to be there for you while you're doing it. They could be living their own life, doing what they gotta do, whether it's right in your eyes or not, like you always have to do what's best for you. And I think that that's what I took from that. And I can always say like, you know, you're one to, you know, regardless rain, sleet, snow, or hail, you gonna AJ is gonna move how AJ is going to move. And you are not <laughs> going to stop that at all. Like he, you, no, you, man. you, you're gonna always be you. And I can appreciate that because I feel like yeah. at times you get to a point sometimes where it's like, okay, can i still be wilting while you know trying to accomplish X, Y, Z, and one, two, three, and I think as I've started to get a little bit older and a little bit more established, that you know, at the end of the day, people want the most authentic you. Might not always be uh, exactly how they want it to be, but I think that as long as you can look at the man in the mirror every day and know that like your intentions are good in terms of what you're trying to do, I think you're gonna be good. And I think that you know, every day, you know, I may get up early on days where I don't start work till eleven o'clock, and I may go to sleep at three o'clock or three thirty, knowing that you know I got to be up early the next day you know but it's the discipline it's the grind it's the dedication that I say you know what I think that and I I hope and pray that it pays off in the long run and that like I said on the podcast bro it's just that you know somebody you know later on down the road maybe sooner rather than later will say like hey I know that guy he changed my life he helped me get to uh this place. He helped me get my first job. He helped me, he helped open the door for me to get to a Sports Illustrated, an ESPN, or, you know, however far I go up. That's why, like, you know, you asked me, you know, what I enjoy about teaching the most. I enjoy teaching a lot. Do I want to just go straight full time to teaching right now? Absolutely not. I want to continue to go up in the business and, and, and continue to do well. So that way, when I do, you know, later on, um, on down the road, I do come into teaching this, like I have some experiences to tell them. And hopefully these same experiences that I'm experiencing now, I'll be able to share with them and say, I remember when I was your age and I remember what it felt like to feel like, you know, that you're not gonna get there. Absolutely.
0: And uh, I-, I will close just saying, man, that I just want y'all to understand this bond and this vibe this year, man. This is like my, my childhood best friend, the closest thing that I know to a brother, um, you know, calling him brother. But he's always been my brother and, you know, during that years some change that you live in Atlanta, man, you influenced my life more than you even know. It. And I just always tell you that. Um, and I just really appreciate that, man. I, You know, our conversations that we have, I'm always taking something away, man. Like anytime that I need to go to you and just, you know, get perspective and gain a new knowledge or, you know, um, understanding about life, Um I'm always able to, you know, take something away from our conversations, and I really am grateful for that, and appreciate that, and I pre- i appreciate you as a person simply because, you know, we have that bond, and it's a resilient bond, and we've seen each other through highs and we've seen each other through lows, and we're family, man. We all we got, man. You know, it's been a tough year, but we got to keep pushing, man. And so, you know, iron sharpens iron, and as you go and you grow and you, you know, continue to motivate and inspire. I'm happy to be in your corner watching you continue to grow and succeed. And, you know, we're gonna always have shenanigans and we're gonna always have, you know, 2017, 2018 a little
1: back on man. And, Absolutely. Uh, you
0: know, that that's that. So Uh, You already know what's going on, man. It's the Real Deal Podcast season two, man. Just wrapping up with my cousin, Wilton Jackson, a.k.a. brother. uh, One of the best guys you'll you'll ever meet, man. So we appreciate you for coming on the show, man. And uh, that's a wrap, team. So y'all keep on rocking with me and I'm gonna keep on giving y'all quality content. It's the Real Deal Podcast season two. Y'all be safe.